0: Welcome to Echo, the podcast where we share our personal perspectives on questions about God, spirituality, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. No matter who you are, we hope that you find value and encouragement through real discussions about real things. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome back to Season two of Echo. Uh, I'm really excited for this season. We've got some incredible questions, incredible guests, and incredible conversations. Uh, we recorded this in January of 2019, so you might hear some uh, some some timelines uh, during this season. Just think of them all within January uh, 2019. I'm so pumped to talk about doubt, to talk about the fundamental beliefs, to talk about guilt, shame, addiction, and so many more topics uh, that are so important for us to wrestle with and talk about, and uh, we want to say thank you to Southern Adventist University for hosting us in the College Dale Seventh-day Adventist Church as well. Uh, I'm really excited for season two of Echo. I hope you are as well. Enjoy this awesome content that we've put together for you. Hey guys, welcome back to Echo. I am here joined by Jonathan Rodney and Luke Steen, and we are at Southern Adventist University in the Collegedale Church, and we are excited to jump into today's topic with you. And so I'm actually going to give them a second to introduce themselves. So Luke, let's start with you. Give us just a little bit about you.
1: Uh, my name is Luke Steen. I pastor the Marietta Adventist Church on the northwest side of Atlanta, and I have the most amazing wife named Carissa. Cool. And uh, Jonathan, what about you?
2: Yeah, so my name is Jonathan. Um, I'm currently a student here at Southern. I'm studying music education, and I'm also studying international studies with a German emphasis.
0: Awesome. And you do not have a wife named I Carissa. Don't. I don't. Cool. So that's, that, that, that now, in case anyone couldn't tell the difference between you two, this just that is awkward. the biggest difference. So now we all have an identifier. So as is tradition on Echo, we like to dive straight into the topic, and today's is uh, one that is kind of a passion of mine. It's been a passion in, I mean, in ministry, this question is literally kind of the defining question for what ministry leaders and pastors do. And the question is this, what does practical discipleship look like? What does it mean to uh, practically be a disciple? I think we talk about being disciples and being followers of God a lot. I think we um, we have been preached uh, Preach to about it. We've, you know, so many people have told us these things, but no one really ever identifies what does this look like day to day? Or maybe they have the same answer that, and for many people, whether they're young adults or old, they just, those things haven't worked. And so they, they sit here and they wonder like, okay, I can't keep trying those things because they never worked for me. And insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. So um, I'm hoping we can hopefully dispel those some of these myths so let's let's actually start there when we talk about practical discipleship what are the things that you guys have tried or seen that uh maybe don't work or haven't worked for you luke we'll start with you
1: um yeah so like some some things that i've seen that i guess people have tried that haven't been super successful are they make like this like unrealistic goal to like obtain all of the knowledge of the bible in like a month or something like that um They like, you know, they, they might not spend time reading every day. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, I'm going to read, you know, half the Bible this next, you know, these next two weeks. Um, and then they try and try and try and try and it's so new. And then they get stuck in the book of Leviticus and out of nowhere, they're like, wait a second, what even is this? And then they put it down for a couple of days and then they pick it up like maybe six months down the road. Um, having not read their Bible consistently for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. So some, I mean, and they think that if I just read the Bible, I'm going to just completely change. Or they say, you know, oh, I'll go and I'll, I'll, I'll attend church. And if I attend church, things are going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever, when in fact, I mean, there are a lot of people who attend church and a lot of people who try to read their Bible and their characters haven't changed. They're, they're, they still get angry uh, if their favorite sports team loses. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> they, uh, Jonathan's a Chicago, Chicago Bears fan, so Ooh, pretty heartbreaking. Um, yeah, like they're they're just their character doesn't change. They don't ever become more like Jesus. Um, so I would say like the these attempts to like obtain all the knowledge of the Bible in a short period of time, or um, if I'm just a part of something, I'll change. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um, well, and I. I can echo that to some extent because I I, I think what you're pointing at is uh, the actions without the intent. Um, I think that's what it is. It's these. I, I hate the phrase, but I'm going to use it anyways. It's going through the motions is what it is. Um, and without without any clear cut goals, um, or your goal is still task oriented, right? Like your goal is to read the Bible in a month or in two months or in a year, but you don't have any goals beside that one task. And so that, that does, I think, contribute to empty discipleship for sure. Uh, Jonathan, what about you?
2: Yeah, I think um, something that I've seen that's really prominent is just people not doing any studying, like being sheep and just kind of like following what is being said like at church or not really like looking it up for themselves and like making their own decisions or their own opinion on on the matters that they are learning about. <laughs> That's a big
0: one, I think too. Yeah, it's funny because uh, peer pressure—we all like to think we don't give into it, but we give into it in many ways. And I think one of the ways is beliefs. We just assume that we can go along with something because we've seen someone else do it and it works for them, so it must work for me. And so it's peer pressure in kind of a different sense, but I, I definitely still see it.
1: Yeah, and I would say—I mean, I would really echo that also, Jonathan. But um, another thing that it might necessarily not— nece- or might not necessarily be like a negative of how discipleship is failing, but what we see a ton in the pastoral world is a disciple is someone who has now gained 28 fundamental belief information, like this content over these 28 fundamental beliefs, they're now a disciple. And so often what that does, is that creates this culture of, oh, I know what the Bible says, I don't ever live it out, but I know what the Bible says, so I'm I'm a disciple of Jesus. Um, when in fact, like just by knowing that, I mean, that's why Uh, our educational system is so broken um, in America is because it's just information download. People don't know how to use this information because it's not taught to them in a way of how it's useful or how it can benefit their lives. It's just, you have to know this so that you can pass the test, so that you can continue on.
0: Okay, so that that actually brings up a question in my mind then, which is, um, what is the finish line of discipleship? What's the end goal, right? Because you said a lot of people think it's it's just the 28 fundamentals. I get those beliefs down, and I've made it, right? And that's why I think discipleship a lot of times ends up, you know, stopping at the baptistry instead of beginning there, because we teach someone 28 fundamental beliefs. We teach them the core beliefs of what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist, and then, they, um, and then we baptize them. We're like, all right, cool, you're done. Uh, just go do your own thing. And when in reality, like that's baptism is the starting line, right? So um, what is the finish line of discipleship? I think that would be a great place to start because then we can work backwards.
1: What do you think? I'll let either of you go. All right. It's all on Luke. Um, Yeah, no, I I think uh, it's funny that we have this concept of a finish line because really like in scripture, Jesus never says like, he never gives a destination. Really. He just says, follow me. So he says more—he's he's more focused on the direction and less on the destination. And, and really, when you, when you think about, oh, like Jesus is just asking me to follow him, and, and we can kind of get into what does that mean, right? But um, when Jesus is just asking us to follow him, really that means there's a ton of stress that's now no longer on our shoulders to make sure that we arrive at a certain point. I think so often we get so fixated on, I have to be—literally be like Jesus— Mm-hmm. that we we're, we fall short, and then we get super stressed out, and then we try to read the Bible more, and then we try to pray more, and then we get angrier, and then we get more stressed, and then it just creates this like a toxic cycle. When in reality, Jesus says, hey, come and follow me. Just just come and follow me. And the, the destination that you end up at is going to be completely different. Yeah. But the direction is what's most important. And so I don't think we can necessarily define what the destination looks like, because we're— I mean, people say it all the time, like, we're going to continue to know and learn more about God, even in heaven. Like, angels are learning new things Mm -hmm. continuously about His love for us. So I I think there's not necessarily a a real, like, finish line.
0: Well, I'd agree. I I think it does take the pressure off, like— uh, I can think of times in my life where I've gone on a hike with people, and they've shown me some trail or some path, and I'm like, "Cool, I have no idea where I'm going, so <laughs> uh, you lead." And it's cool because that just means I just have to follow. Like I just keep walking, and as long as I keep walking, I know I'm in the right, I'm headed in the right direction because the person I'm following knows where they're going. Now that analogy breaks down if you have someone who's directionally challenged leading you, but. Uh, Jesus isn't directionally challenged. Right. That's the point. The point, the reason that we follow him is because he is someone who we can trust to know what direction we're going and why we're headed in that direction. So then let me make this personal then to you guys. If, if, following, um, if following Jesus is the finish line in that it's in itself a journey, um, what does following Jesus look like to you? What does it look like in your life? No, that's a like that's a big question, right? And I understand the silence. And I think if if uh, if I was a listener right now, I would be in that same boat. Like I don't actually know because when I think at um, when I look at my life, I think following Jesus, the one the one aspect that I've tried to lay it out in is community. Um, I I've had it beat into my head over and over and over again that I have to spend hours in prayer or you know and really uh, develop those private times. But then I look at Scripture, and I'm not saying the private times aren't important, right? Jesus regularly went away right. and and convened with God. Um, I think uh, when I look at Scripture, like Acts, or I look at even the 12 disciples, like faith was lived out in community. It was expressed in community. And so that's been the big part for me, was finding places where I could have intentional conversations like this, or try and uh, try and find friendships that I could build on a spiritual foundation where we could pour into each other and grow in our faith. Because if you're walking alongside someone else who's following Jesus, then if you trip, they can pick you up or vice versa. And so, or they can hold you accountable when you start veering off the trail. And so that's been a big way, I think for me, that I've tried to live out
1: following Jesus in my own life. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, community is definitely a huge, huge aspect to it. Um, I know that like my journey, like I really, when I came into the church, I mean, I came into the church right out of high school. Um, I'd grown up playing ice hockey, so I didn't really, I knew nothing about church. I knew nothing about, you know, really a a faith community or anything like that. And I remember getting to Southern Adventist University and being so green in my faith that all of a sudden a a friend of mine was like, oh, I recognize that you're really green and I need to show you what it's like to live out your faith. And so we'd wake up, he'd come and wake me up at 5 a.m. every morning and we'd read our Bibles. Hmm. He wanted, I mean, he, he wanted to give me a passage, he wanted to, um, he, I just would open up, I'd start reading and then I'd read for an hour. And then most of the time I couldn't even remember what I was reading. Cause I was still trying to get over like getting up. <laughs> um, and then we would pray together and I did that continuously for like six, I mean, six months, even when I wasn't with him, like I, I just would wake up and I'd start reading my Bible and I just realized that I started to change. And so, um, to me, like it, it's, I have to make sure that I'm putting a relationship with Jesus as a priority. Mm-hmm. So I have to give him the first fruits of my day. And if I don't give him the first fruits of my day, if I give him my seconds or thirds, then do I, can I really say that I love him or that I'm pursuing him or that I'm trying to follow him? So to me, it's, the journey has been learning how to continually uh, put those kind of practices in mm-hmm. my daily schedule so that I can connect with Jesus.
0: Yeah, and I think... I think there's there's a point that, that needs to be clarified here and it's it's something that we accidentally imply when we have this conversation, which is that uh the things that you're currently trying are inherently bad or wrong if they're not um, you know, if they're not the things that we're suggesting, right? So we talk about um you mentioned not having him as the first fruits of my day, if he's not the first thing that I go to when I wake up, am I really following him? And I would argue, and and, and I want to say this as an encouragement to anyone who's in that boat, right? If if you wake up in the morning, and the first thing you check is Facebook or Twitter, fine.
1: Um, Oh, if you're not a morning person.
0: Yeah, like we're not—so we're not (laughs) saying that you're a bad person uh, or you're a bad disciple. I honestly think if you're sitting there wrestling with this question, that is discipleship. Yep. That, Like, absolutely. If you're sitting there asking this question and trying to figure it out in your own life, in whatever way works in your own life, then congratulate—like, you're on the right path. So I you know, what we say here, I think is just suggestions it's yeah. it's ways that we've found in our lives or or maybe in scripture to live this out, but it's definitely not like the prescription for discipleship
1: oh and and i can I can agree with you on that because my uh my sophomore year, I had eight a m Hebrew, and there was no way that I was able to wake up, focus on studying my Bible and then try to make it a Hebrew class because i was I was dying just as a student because I was staying up <laughs> way too late. So then I was like, man, i got to really readjust. So I, I came up with tea time, which was just two 30-minute windows in my day. Where I'd <laughs> make a, a cup of mint tea, and I'd sit down, and I'd read my Bible. One time at 10 and one time at 2, and it was just 30 minutes. So I had to re- reconfigure. But the, the point of it is is I had to make sure that that was penciled in.
0: Yeah, that's the first fruits. Yes, is the priority, yes. not when that. Priority no, not happens, the time of right? the day.
1: No, first fruits is the effort. Yes, you know your energy. Where's your energy going? Give God your best energy. And so I made sure to okay, I could give him at ten thirty, and I or from ten to ten thirty and two to two thirty.
2: Mm, yeah, cool. I've actually been doing my like devotion time at night because I know that I'm the most awake, I'm the most aware, mm. and like that way I can really focus on what I'm reading and what I'm studying. Um and grasp yeah, all of that that, that I'm reading. So
0: No, that's you that's that's me too. Mm-hmm. I I will fight to stay in bed until the exact minute I have to. Like I sit there in bed, like <laughs> half asleep, <laughs> mentally playing out the next thirty minutes in my head going, How much how much can I afford to stay in this bed for? Mm-hmm. Um it is the hardest thing in the world. Like there are there are mornings where I wake up and I'm like, Ryan, you have to get up. Like in my head, I'm like, Ryan, just get up. Just just do it. Um, it's hard. I'm not yep. like grumpy in the morning, but I have a hard, And once I'm out of bed, I'm fine. Right. But it's just that initial part. So yeah, at night, that's when my mind is active. And that is when I have had an easier time. I will say the mornings that I have made my, been able to get up earlier. I do have, I think for me specifically, I do think I do have a higher quality devotional time mm-hmm. in that moment. But in general, yes, I've always struggled with that. That's right. been my issue. Um, but we talked about devotional time. you talked about tea time, which I think was was really cool um what are what are some other things that you think as far as personal time connecting with god what are what are things that that you try or do that have worked with you uh, or worked even for friends of yours? Maybe someone else has shared something with you
2: i I tend to sing a lot um in my free time, like um just songs that I know I need to sing to be able to like convey something to god like that i'm feeling um i know like a lot of times i feel like confused or whatever and so i i <clears throat> will think of a song that i know talks about that and i'll go to like a practice room here and then play the piano and sing and just kind of like mm. put my heart on the line um with god in that sense so that's like one way
0: hmm, that's good that's good i um, for me, I had a spot when I was a college student. I had a spot about 40 minutes away from campus. If I didn't have a car as an introvert in college, I don't know how I would have survived because <laughs> that was where I got my alone time. Right. But I would drive about 40 minutes out. It was this cool overlook over the Ekoe River, and um, that was where that was my spot. I had no cell signal up there. So even. Bringing my phone, like, I I definitely am one of those people that brings my phone with me everywhere, and I'd bring my phone up there. Didn't matter. (laughs) Hmm. I would be comfortable because I had my phone, so I wouldn't feel like that kind of withdrawal. So I'd still be able to focus on what I was doing, um, but I wouldn't get any messages or anything because no one can call. And so it was a way of retreating without actually having to negatively impact any other part of my mental faculties in that moment um for sure so that was i i having a space that you can go to that's you and god uh is absolutely huge so i definitely agree with that
1: yeah something something that i've tried um that i found to be really like helpful was um giving god like a certain window of my day for prayer um where i wasn't like you know focused on learning some great new truth from scripture or checking out you know what does this word mean in the original language or, or something like that but Um, really just kind of like conversing with God. And then sometimes just like, you know, just kind of waiting for God, are you going to try to, are you going to speak into my life? You know, and that might be 10 minutes of absolute Mm. silence, uh, which feels like eternity sometimes, especially when you begin. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, like I remember like there'd be moments where I'd be praying and I mean, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to stop, you know, I wasn't even really saying anything, but I was just like, man, like God, like thank you for loving me. Like I know right now, like in this moment, not only do you love me, but you also like me. Mm. Um, And I think like us kind of sharing these, these different things that we've tried uh, tells us something pretty profound. And that is when we're following Jesus, it's, we're not always going to have the same posture the whole time, Mm. right? Like sometimes he's going to take us through a hill or a hillside. Sometimes he's going to lead us up a mountain. And to, when you're walking downhill, you walk differently than when you're walking uphill. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes our devotional habits or the ways that we're, following Jesus are going to change. We might spend more time in prayer during certain seasons or more time reading about something that is going to really help us during certain seasons. Sometimes we might just have some moments of just silence and solitude, or we're just kind of walking around a neighborhood and listening to natural noises of nature mm. and yeah. just kind of being like, man, God, like you just created everything and it's just so cool. Mm. And mm. that might be how we're being a disciple.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Um, and, I think that also speaks to the personal relationship nature of God, too, that everything is different, right? I've heard people pray Father in Heaven, and I've heard people pray uh, Daddy because they didn't have a dad. And mm-hmm. while it makes me uncomfortable to hear that, right, just personally, like that's just I was like, oh, that was weird the first time I heard it. I Once I understood that person's story, mm-hmm. suddenly that wasn't so weird, and it was perfectly understandable. Um, and so I think embracing whatever makes you unique uh, because God is the one that made you unique to begin with. And so embracing those as a way to connect with God, um, I think is something that is incredibly valuable and something that's um, that's absolutely worth pursuing for sure. Um, so Jonathan and Luke, I want to thank you guys both for coming on Echo and for sharing kind of your views and your thoughts on this and your experiences as well. Um, I think no matter how... Um, No matter how experienced you are, how new you are to this, the fact that we are asking the question, the fact that you're trying to figure out what works for you, um, we've just shared some of the things that we've done. And I think that has been helpful. I hope that's helpful to someone you know whoever's listening to this. But um, I just thank you guys both for coming on. This has been a lot of fun, and so I appreciate the both of you and to our echo listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can find us on iTunes and anywhere else where podcasts are found. And uh, we just appreciate you so much because without you, there, this, there's no reason to do this. So thank you guys for so much for your support and for listening to this. and we'll see you next week. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them, and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment.